0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of People in Transition. I'm your host, Bob Gerst. I've been hiring, firing, and mentoring executives, frontline employees, interns, and job seekers in companies around the world through a host of transitions, some difficult, but most very good. I work with people in Hong Kong, India, Australia, and across the United States. What sets them apart? A lot. But there's more they have in common. And one of those commonalities is transition is a part of life. This experience has given me a bird's eye view on a variety of trends, economies, industry disruptors, and transitions that are big and small. It also brought me into contact with the thought leaders and decision makers you need to meet, the people who can make the difference that matters to you right now. Imagine knowing exactly what to do next, and how to know it's time to make your big change. The insight track you're going to access during our future episodes is better than a crystal ball. It's the exact information you need to take that next step. Whether you're a new grad applying for your first professional job, someone looking to transition your work experience into a promotion, launching your own company, or maybe even starting to plan your retirement, you're in transition, and this series is for you. We all know transition can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. And it's even fun when you have VIP access to the future you want. Are you tired of the uncertainty of being passed up? We'll share with you the tools and skills that can take your dreams to the front of the line. So if change is on your horizon, or maybe just the thought of change, you won't want to miss this discussion. It could be the exact edge you need to turn Transition into an amazing opportunity. Dr. Benjamin Ritter, thank you so much for being on this episode of People in Transition. I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk with you today.
1: I'm really excited too. Uh, You know, whenever anyone gets to share about their own transitions and career story, you kind of learn things again. So I'm really excited to dive in.
0: Ben, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Ooh, it's not just one thing. I'd say initially, when I was really young, it was astronaut and then archaeologist. But I th- well, what I thought was an archaeologist at the time wasn't because he was a paleontologist. I wanted to like, unearth, you know, bones and stuff. I just was really, Really interested in things that were otherworldly, that weren't the, you know, the normal day-to-day. Now, what really took over my life is when I decided that I wanted to be a professional soccer player, which is totally different than either of those. But those were my youthful aspirations.
0: That is an eclectic group of life goals for sure. But what were the transition moments that occurred to you to get you from that picture of yourself? as that soccer player, I guess, or paleontologist, to where you're at today. A few
1: twists and turns, to say the least. Right now, I am basically running my own company as a leadership and career coach, as well as a talent development and organizational culture director, building a department for a company that was going to be a client that offered me a really good opportunity to come internal. As you can tell, they're very different than what I wanted to be initially, right? Now, soccer was actually the first thing that I really dedicated my life to. You know, some people say, oh, I think I want to be an accountant or something. It's not often do they buy books on the topic. Not often do they watch Video programs and training videos on it. Not often do they practice it three times a day. I'd say that soccer, wanting to be a professional soccer player, was something that I truly dedicated myself to. It became all I was focused on, which actually honestly was a mistake. I'd say, you know, when I first started coaching, when I first started speaking, the topic that I would, that I built my platform on was that find your purpose was the worst advice that I ever received. Because for me at that time, I thought soccer was my purpose, which limited a lot of my other opportunities in life. Now, when I was in school, I had a father sitting on my shoulder saying, have a backup plan. And so I was I had a major in nutrition and was actually planning if soccer didn't work out or alongside soccer to go into dietetics and become a dietitian. About halfway through college, they canceled my major. So that was kind of one of the first turning points. And then thought, okay, well, if my major's not here, I'll go find it. So I went to go transfer schools and still play soccer, which then that fell apart. So I came back and then I honestly didn't have soccer anymore because I left the team to go to another school on a scholarship and such, and that fell apart. So now I'm sitting without nutrition, without soccer, figuring out a way to pursue things that I cared about without the normal channels to pursue them on. At the time I was struggling with a hip issue. So I ended up getting arthroscopic hip surgery a day before my 21st birthday. And healed from that and decided I'm going to pursue soccer one more time, found a way to go abroad, was able to study, continue my education, and then played soccer in Europe for about six months trying to get on a first division team. Uh, When that didn't work out, I came back and had to make the decision to kind of move past that career pursuit. Out of undergrad as a marketing major, lo and behold, with minors in management nutrition, I didn't really know what a career was there was not an ounce of my body that wanted to sit behind a desk um, and prior to that I, I worked in kind of very random odd jobs and lo and behold eventually fell into a marketing associate position driving my dad's minivan to corporate events and doing health screenings for people so it's kind of like a merging of marketing and nutrition but really disliked this concept of work didn't really buy into it and was able to network and market myself Uh, into a graduate program uh, through a job that I held on campus, uh, running the student employment office and being a manager of the student temporary service program. So that actually was one of the first times that, that this idea of career development came up in my life. So then at that time, I was going to grad school. I decided to get my MBA in entrepreneurial management because prior to this, I thought about starting the company. My father actually took me to help repair homes. He had his own little handyman business when I when I was a kid and throughout my youth. So I think that played a role into also this concept of why do you have to sit behind a desk? And throughout this, I had internships, which really just kind of kept me, kept this idea that I just don't understand this desk job stuff. And so in, in graduate school, I you know continued to pursue my education, my MBA in entrepreneurial Management, my MPH in health policy administration. Eventually, that led me to networking with the Illinois Department of Public Health and getting hired, uh, working a communications marketing associate. But lo and behold, I uh, went through a personal tra- you know transformation from caring about soccer, only caring about soccer, not having really any friends, having severe confidence issues. Because of that pursuit, um, I was constantly learning about personal professional development, studying everything I could find about it. I took all my energy from soccer and put it into that space. So in the background throughout this entire portion of my life, I was becoming an expert in coaching per se. And so when I was kind of near the end of grad school, I was out and about and I would normally put myself in uncomfortable situations to just keep my social skills up and to grow. Someone stopped me and said, I know kind of what you're doing, where you're coming from, I want you to meet my boss that conversation, that serendipitous moment led me to being hired for my first professional coaching job, running men's programs across the United States. And so now I'm I'm out of grad school. I kind of have this public health background. I have kind of this coaching background. I don't really like anything that I'm doing. And I'm looking for that full-time job out of school. And it was during 2010, federal funding wasn't really there anymore. For about two and a half years, I couldn't, find a job uh, that I wanted in public health or in healthcare. And I actually received four different job offers from four different places that all were canceled after I signed on the dotted line. And so that was a very discouraging time in my life. That's where kind of where I got into the bar industry. I worked for 10 years. um, From then on, kind of paying for everything I could with with bartending. So a lot of these odd jobs while I'm trying to pursue my full-time career, as well as pursuing coaching on the side. Which eventually by the way that came into me trying to start my own business with a business partner you know starting a podcast writing content for men's health and ask men really just trying to pursue all these different aspects of my passions things that kind of fell into my lap i was being proactive but really was reacting to opportunities that came my way which eventually ended up getting a full-time job in healthcare and so in healthcare i was a high performer after a couple years i got promoted into the executive level team at the same time, still still working, you know, in the bar industry, still coaching on the side, building the side business. And I was drained and I wasn't happy and I became resentful towards work. Up to this point, nothing that I really wanted to work on worked out. And it just built up and just seeped out and I was not a very happy camper to be around. I would avoid working. And then... Eventually, when I was in kind of this victimhood mindset walking to work one day, I, I made eye contact with people around me. And it just seemed like everybody else was as drained as me. And all my learning and all my, you know, all my understanding of the self and what, you know, that the fact that we control in a way how we act within our environment, how we think and feel, came up. And I said, Why am I doing this? What is it that I really want to accomplish? I don't have to give up on my career. I can love what I do. I don't have to keep doing things that I'm doing just because they're there in front of me. And so I did a hard audit. I asked myself, what are my strengths? What am I passionate about? What would I like to do moving forwards? And came up with talent development, leadership development. And because, you know, for multiple reasons. One, I had coaching in the background. I cared about health. Currently, as an executive, I was selected for a leadership program, so actually had someone that I'd meet with that was kind of a professional coach. And then I had leaders that were pretty poor, that I would have to console my peers because they were crying from something that our VP said to them. And so I had now this thing that I needed to do that I could focus on. And I started reaching out to the departments in my corporation to say, hey, I want to do this work. This work is really cool. I want to do it. And I I got yeses and I got permission from my boss. But then we got acquired for the second time. Every project I was working on got stopped. People I was working with got let go. But at that point in my career, I wasn't just going to sit back and let it go. And so I made the decision, well, how can I go work in this space? And I didn't have any experience other than my, my natural knowledge and what I learned over time through coaching. So I made the decision, I'm going to go back and get my doctorate. And while I get my doctorate, I'm going to figure it out. Doing my doctor in organizational leadership within the first week, I founded a new company, I let go of the old one, I deleted everything, it wasn't what I was aligned to do. Built that company from the ground up based on all the knowledge that I gained from coaching previously and ended up over time becoming enough of a brand in the space to get multiple organizations reaching out to me. I did about a year and a half at YPO as a learning manager, Right now, a potential client actually offered me a position, so I'm building their talent development department from the ground up, and I coach on the side and speak and do workshops and such. And
0: Thank you, Ben. That was really interesting. You know, we've talked before, you've described kind of the three C's to combat the inner critic that you might have whether you're in job transition or just living life. Can you describe those three C's and and what impact that that does have on a job seeker?
1: I can't tell you how many clients I work with that if they could just change their inner critic to see the world in a more positive light. They'd
0: stop playing the victim,
1: they'd see opportunity, they'd take action and everything would change. Even where they're currently at would change, just in terms of how they perceive it. And anyone listening, if you have a pretty strong inner critic, one of the best things you could do for yourself is give it a name of someone you don't respect. Give it a name of someone that you look down upon. That's what you should call your inner critic. Whenever your inner critic decides to tell you something negative about yourself, sorry, Steve, not today, not today, Steve, I'm going to listen to this other person. And that can start helping you build a, some distance between that voice. And so the the three C's of self-leadership are clarity, confidence, and control. And these were characteristics that I found in clients that would allow them to make decisions that were aligned to who they truly were to build a life that is more fulfilling, more enjoyable, and to help them take action. And so C is for clarity, which means who are you, what do you care about, how are you going to get there? So, for example, it's your values, it's your vision, and then it's goals broken down into your annual goals, broken, broken down into your monthly, into your weekly, into your daily goals. So, you know what you need to prioritize and you know why it matters. So, you stay motivated. And now, if you have ever imagined, when when you walk into a room, you're kind of thinking, oh, everyone's staring at me. I don't know what to say, and you have that inner critic talking to you. It's because you don't truly know what you stand for, and you're worried what other people are going to think about you and feel about you, and if they're going to judge you. And so, when you have a vision, when you know what you stand for, and you know how you're getting there, that voice quiets down, and that builds confidence. And when when we have confidence, we then can also take action towards learning the things that we want to work towards. Let's say one of my goals is to launch a podcast. So now if I believe why I want to launch a podcast, I know how I'm going to launch a podcast. I know what skills I need to learn to launch a podcast. So now I have that confidence to go be able to do that. So then that allows me to lead into control, which is I'm now intentionally doing something every single day for that thing that I care about, that I'm working towards, and I'm building a community around me that supports myself and my goals. So in the example of getting a job, let's say you're working for a company you don't believe in, and a job that is draining, you're able to say, well, what is my vision for my career? What is my vision in a year from now? What skills do I want to learn? What projects do I want to work on? What type of values do I care about for myself and for the company that I want to be in? And you can build a list of those. You can build your top five companies. So then now you have clarity. And so now we look into confidence and say, do I feel confident to be able to work at these organizations or what job title might I be qualified for? And you look at your past successes and you build you build success stories and you identify your strengths and you identify the work that you love to do. And so now you, you can build confidence in yourself to be able to work at those jobs. And now you say, okay, so now what actions do I need? What control do I need to build into my day? Okay, 30 minutes when I wake up, I'm gonna connect with these individuals on LinkedIn. I'm going to send the messages for coffee chats. I'm going to apply for five jobs. And then later on in the day, I'm going to respond to any messages that come up or I'm going to read books around the industry and the topics so I'm well read. And then maybe once a week, I'm going to go to a networking event with people in this industry. So that's kind of how that works.
0: Ben, do you think that people are leaving their jobs too soon? And kind of a follow-up with that is, how do you really know when the right time to find a, a new job is?
1: This is such a tough question, Bob, but it it is so good because I want to give an answer on both ends. I'm kind of nervous because I'm leaning towards, yes, people leave their jobs too soon, but I work with people that leave their jobs too late because most of the people that work with a coach are not confident in themselves and don't believe that they could have a career that they truly love where they get to unlock their superpowers and apply them on a daily basis so they stay in a job that isn't right for them. That's most of the people I work with, but I do know that there are a lot of high achievers out there A lot of people that are trying to run away from their job instead of creating a job. And so they run away from a job. They leave it within a year. You know, they got past a six-month honeymoon. They're not happy about a few things. The stories of, of leadership and work rear their ugly head. They forget that they could have boundaries. They overwork themselves, are unhappy with certain personalities. So instead of trying to solve anything, they just jump. So that's the issue where, you know, I stop and say, okay, let's look at job crafting. Let's look at what is actually behind why you're satisfied at work. And those are the social relationships. It's the actual work that you do and the meeting that you feel behind your work. All those things are in your control. And, you know, a really good example of this is I, I work with a client and pretty much every client says the same thing that's trying to figure out the relationship with their leader. I don't get clarity. I don't get feedback. And so I say, you ask for it. And I can't do that. Why can't you do that? They're just supposed to give it to me. I can't ask them. And so there's these like stories that we tell ourselves that hold ourselves back from enjoying our job, from getting what we need. So I know I gave you both ends of the stick there, but I thought it was important to mention both.
0: I've heard the term before, panic applying with my resume, which is really just kind of blasting your resume to all types of places and jobs. Good idea or not so good idea? It's like the, the shotgun approach.
1: Well, I, I do like that someone feels confident enough to apply to jobs. Because I have worked with clients that will scan every job posting in detail. They'll spend 20 minutes reading the job description for reasons why they shouldn't apply. And so that is terrible. It is absolutely wonderful for people trying to look for a job that are trying to build the habit of applying to jobs that maybe haven't done it before to use the easy apply button on LinkedIn for specific job titles. And this is good because you you usually won't get a job until your fourth interview meaning that until you've had the opportunity to interview for four different companies for the same job you don't really have a great idea of what those interviewers are looking for for this title and it can be different per organization but it gives you some practice it gets you prepared it builds confidence so it's there's something to be said about making sure you get those four interviews now if we just apply to everything we don't really control our career And so what I would prefer people do is take that list of five companies that we talked about with the three C's and use those companies as a way to direct your efforts. So connecting to peers, managers and recruiters at those companies and having conversations with them. The jobs that we see on job boards are about 30 to 40 percent of the jobs that are available in the market. And so the majority of the jobs are going to come from these connections. And so there's a place for shotgunning. There's a place for applying to a bunch of jobs. It's not good if you're doing it from a place of scarcity. It is good if you're just looking to get some interviews and just build
0: the habit. Ben, you talk about making those connections, which is a placeholder for networking. And for many, that term networking just brings up all kinds of fear. How do you coach your clients to deal with the fear of networking and to be successful at it?
1: Let's just get rid of that word because I think it holds so many people back. I remember a client, he just, in his review even of the program, he said, my whole perception of the job hunt changed when you told me that it was a coffee chat. If we're looking to connect with individuals just to get something from them, we've lost. We should be curious about the industry, we should be curious about the organization, we should be curious about the job title that they're doing and the work that they're doing. We should be using these conversations to screen companies to qualify them and to build relationships. We should be doing it at all times, not just when we're looking for a job. So I'd say if we can change our perception of what this is, then we can gain value from it and approach it in a way and with a mentality that is going to serve us i have so many stories i have literally my one last client that just graduated last week her first message on linkedin because you never did it before we updated her linkedin profile got her resume her first message on linkedin got her a very large job offer from amazon there was another individual who his fourth message on linkedin Got him to create a brand new agency school, more than a director role, something that he's never done before at an organization that didn't even have that job posted at the time, which was his perfect job for himself. And it's, it's because these both of these individuals approached these conversations, not from a place of, do you have a job, but from a place of, I want to learn more about you.
0: Ben, does the steps that the job seeker is going to take, is it somehow different if you are that new college graduate versus a more experienced professional?
1: They they differ just in terms of what you're looking for. I'd say, you know, I've, I've mentored a lot of new college grads. And what's nice is that they also have a little bit of a leg up because they can go into organizations. And really what their role is at the time, I'd say any college, recent college grad listening is your job is to get experience right now. everything else will will come like imagine if let's say your first job just as an example one of your first jobs is forty five thousand dollars a year forty thousand dollars a year in five years that sum of money is not going to matter as much to you because you know if you've worked hard and grown professionally in your life you're making multiple times that depending on you know how you grow etc so you really what you're trying to do in the beginning of your career is show up prove what your brand is build relationships and gain experience are going to help you later on in your professional journey even though you might not know what that is so as a new college grad you, know, you might not even be looking for job postings to be honest you may just be reaching out to people that work in departments and say i'm a new college grad i have a background in this. this is the coursework that i did i'd love to come in and shadow I'd love to come in and do you have an internship. I'd love to come in and work on a, a project part-time if that's possible. Or I'd like to come in and, you know, do an entry-level role for me. If you can get into a company, you're not, and I'd say handcuffed, right? For even looking at myself and anyone anyone else more senior listening to this podcast, you're not going to do that. You're not going to take that offer. But a new college grad can get into companies that more senior-level people probably can't get in with the right conversation and the right pitch.
0: Ben. How do you coach your clients in terms of the mindset that they should have going into their interviews, whether it is a telephone interview, a Zoom interview, as many of them are today, or an in-person interview?
1: Too often we go in to interviews, one, scared, we don't believe in ourselves enough. So I'd say that we have to believe in ourselves, that they wanted to interview us. Okay, so let's put that out there. Two, a rejection is not rejection. You know, you don't even know they might just be interviewing you and already have someone hired for the role, like right? basically like an internal hire. They just have to put the posting up. So you don't know that. So rejection doesn't actually exist. You can only learn in an interview and see what people ask you. But the, I'd say the most important piece where people need to pay attention to when it comes to interviews is that they, they don't ask for enough information. So if someone's asking you a question, there is an extra layer to that question that you don't know. So if I'm asking you to to describe a time where you managed a conflict, I'm asking you that for a reason. Your answer may or may not be oriented towards that reason if you don't ask me a follow-up. And and so there's always a layer beneath. I instruct the people that I coach, whenever you give an answer to something, your first answer should be a little bit shorter, and you should include a follow-up question. You should also include a follow-up question that relates to the organization and the department and the person that's asking the question. It should be a dialogue, less an interview, where you are also learning about what they need for the role and what the organization is like.
0: Ben, oftentimes recruiters will ask the candidate, what are you looking for, Ben? How do you answer that question?
1: Well, hopefully, when you're answering other questions in the interview, you're learning about the person as well because you're asking those follow-up questions. So when they do ask you, what are you looking for? You're able to orient that answer towards what they need. So if they're looking to hire someone to build an onboarding process, your answer is, I'm really looking for an opportunity to improve the candidate experience and the associate experience within the first zero to 90 days. And I understand that onboarding is a great way to start with that. And that's where I'd like to initially, that's what I'm looking for next. And then you can expand into what your vision is for their role based on their vision for the company
0: as well. Ben, if you got a new client today and you told them, here's the one thing that you need to start doing next Monday to cause better results in your job transition, what's that one, maybe you have two things that you would suggest that they start doing right away?
1: And I'd say the one thing that they need to do, so they know what they want and they are able to clearly say what they want. So they need to ensure that their brand online re- relates towards what they want. So that's their LinkedIn profile. So that's the first piece. I'd say the second piece though, is they got to use it. And that I'd say it's more important than the first, but you can't do the second without the first.
0: Let's talk about that brand. What does taking care of your personal brand mean to you and and how might I improve it?
1: A great, great example is, hey, do you remember... The 20th minute of that TV show you watched last night, or hey, do you remember a couple quotes from that podcast you listened to yesterday? Or, oh, I know you met a new person last week. Do you remember what they care about? You can test see how good your personal brand is by meeting somebody and then a week later asking them what they remember about you. Having a solid personal brand means that you're memorable. It means that people can uh, refer you to things because they remember you. It means that someone will go to your LinkedIn page or open up your resume and know what you want next and know that you're qualified for it. And too often people write their resume or write their LinkedIn profile or their websites online as for their current job, as an advertisement for their current job, not the transition that they want. And so we need to ensure that our brand represents not where we are today, but where we wanna be tomorrow. And so that relates to the title that you use for yourself, the values that you put out, the content that you share, the content that you talk about, I'd even say, if we want to get down to it, the people that you surround yourself with, the networking events that you attend, the books that you read, the podcasts you listen to. And I know you may see, oh, this is extreme, Ben. There should be some sort of separation. I actually say your professional brand is very rarely separated that severely from your personal brand.
0: Ben, let's say that you're feeling stuck or at an impasse in your transition and and just unsure how to get yourself out of the muck and back rolling strong again, what would be your one or two pieces of advice to that candidate?
1: Go take a break. Take a break for a bit. Give yourself some grace. It's very often we feel stuck because we forget what we care about. We forget who we really are. Our, Our batteries are drained. So I'd say, first off, Go fill that battery up because if you're burnt out, the things that you care about, you don't care about it. You lose meaning. You know, you're on empty. And you, need en- you need energy to even have meaning. So you go fill yourself up, do some time in terms of self-care, read a book, take a vacation, take some time off of work, and then slowly start reflecting on your past career, the things that you love, the work that you love to do. Reconnect to the meaning, reconnect to the impact that you want to have in the world and with your job. Reconnect to relationships that you care about and then slowly start exploring. Okay, so if I have values for, and keep using leadership development, then what is an article I can read on the topic? Great, I did that today, I read an article, wonderful. Okay, tomorrow, is there someone in my network that I know that I could talk to about this? Or is there someone I could connect to on LinkedIn? Great, so you start doing some research, and you slowly start adding little to-dos, little activities to your day-to-day. And being slow is important, because you just came from empty. And slowly starts building momentum to eventually you can start doing some of the bigger things we talked about.
0: Ben, we're going to go into our lightning round section here where I'm going to give you a topic and I'd like to have you give your thoughts on it in just kind of a little 10 or 15 second vignettes. First one, your personal elevator speech. Hey
1: everyone, my name is Dr. Benjamin Ritter. I'm a leadership and career coach that guides others to create a career that you can love. So if you want to unlock your career professional superpowers and apply them every day at work and to lead into a greater career that is more fulfilling, feel free to send me a message and let's have a conversation.
0: The applicant's dress for the interview.
1: <laughs> but Virtual or in person?
0: So, in person, let's say this one okay. is.
1: Because I got my cat pants on right now. So I just say <laughs> it's, a, it's tough. So there's like a manufacturing plant. You're not going to walk in with a suit. You know, uh, you work in for a software startup on the bay or in the bay, you might even come in with shorts, you know, depending on the culture of the environment. So I'd say, ask the recruiter and the hiring manager, what is the attire for everyone in the office? And then go a step up. So if People wear cargo shorts and t-shirts, wear a short sleeve button up and some khakis, right? Or something of the sort. If they wear suits every day, wear a tie. So you want to go a little one level up from where everybody is.
0: Thank you, Notes, after the interview.
1: Of course. I'm not one for the handwritten. I know people go for it. If you want to do it, do it. But in the day, in the tech age, you know, just there's no excuse not to. I'd even take that a step further and say you can connect with them on LinkedIn. They may not connect based on those HR policies and stuff, but it does. If your brand's on point on LinkedIn, it could be a really good leg up.
0: When do you start discussing pay and benefits?
1: immediately so uh, and I know people have different perspectives on this but if you're talking to the recruiter first thing that when when they ask you what your salary range is you ask them what the budget is you don't have to give them a number I actually would avoid giving them the number completely but at the first moment when someone asks you what pay is or you can ask it what is your budget
0: questions that you might ask the hiring manager what's the one or two examples of questions you tell your clients to use
1: and that really depends on your values What are you looking for from the organization? You know, it could be work hours, it could be communication expectation, it could be what are your engagement activities, it could be why did this person leave, it could be what is the, you know, what are the first projects this person is going to be focused on, you know, what is, if this person is still in this role in two years from now, what, what have they accomplished, what are they doing? So it really just depends, it can vary from values to actual work tactics to team dynamics.
0: Ben, as we're wrapping this up, any books or other resources that you would recommend to someone who's going through their own transition?
1: I got two big ones for everybody. You might have already heard about this. So Design Your Life. That's one I would highly recommend. And then So Good They Can't Ignore You.
0: What's that second one about? I I don't know that one.
1: Yep. So Cal Newport, he's the author of Deep Work. He wrote a book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, which basically knocks some sense into people that think they should know exactly what they want in 10 years today. So it's it's basically about how to make the most of where you're at today and how to leverage that to build your career in the direction that you'd want, even though it's very difficult
0: to predict. Ben, if there are three things that you would like our listeners to take away from our discussion today to help them be more successful in their career search, what are those three things that you want them to take away?
1: You don't need permission to reach out to anybody, so get out there. Again, make sure your brand represents where you want to go, not where you are. And look at your current job before looking at other
0: jobs. Dr. Benjamin Ritter, what great insights you provided today. I know that our listeners will get a lot of very actionable tips and techniques from this. And thank you for taking the time to share. I always use as my own test about the discussion Did I get something out of it? And there were several points that I hadn't thought about before. So thank you. I really do appreciate it. Great job.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is great.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We're working in unprecedented times as the world responds to the recent COVID-19 crisis. The fact is that even those who are not in transition understand it could be right around the corner. Next month. Or a year from now. The purpose of these episodes are to give listeners support and the critical tools to adjust with the winds wherever they come. I'll continue to introduce you to guests who have successfully, perhaps gracefully or without too many battle scars, survived their own obstacle courses and can share useful information on how to steady your ship or your world in this uncertainty. If today's message was helpful to you, please share it on social media. If you have any questions or podcast ideas for future conversations, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I appreciate your time. You're investing in sharing these important conversations with me, my guests, and others who are going through life transition. Transitions between jobs, life stages, new entrepreneurial ventures, or whatever life brings. Change is constant. The more prepared you are for it, the better and easier the change will occur. Thank you again. This is your host, Bob Gerst. See you at our next episode of People in Transition.